a week of um, sanctification, uh, glorifying God, exalting Christ, uh, a spirit-filled week, and 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 really, um, you have beheld the glory of God in His Scriptures. Now, as we are doing. Um, as we're going through this overview of the confession, uh, the, the, the London Baptist Confession of Faith of the 1689, which uh, is, uh, is the confession that we as Berea Reformed Baptists hold on to, that is largely derived from the Westminster Confession of Faith. The, the, the ones that the presbyter a lot of Presbyterians hold to um, and so um, in chapter 19 well last time out when we, we we looked at assurance of salvation so this is not really an exposition but it's an overview such that when we actually get in, uh, get in um, come back and start from chapter 1, once again and all the way to chapter 32 because the 32 chapters in the confession we will delve deeper and dig deeper but right now it's an overview to get the feel to to see the trajectory to see where the confession is is heading and leading and so chapter 19 is about the law of god it's of the law of god now before i start um, and this is a rhetorical question to each and every one of us. Um, what is the law of God? What, what, what does the Bible say about the law? The law of God. Why is it called the law of God? And you see, you see, with uh, as you look through the confession there. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. In 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 the first point, uh, listen to what it says, and then I'll explain a bit. God gave to Adam a law of universal obedience, written in his heart, and a particular precept. Okay. Of not eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So you see right from the onset, right in the beginning, right in Genesis, God gives our federal head, Adam, a law. He gives him a statute or, or, or rules to live by. Because God is the creator God defines what is right and what is not. God defines what is just and what is not. God is holy and mankind is not. And he says to Adam in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. Listen to the word of God. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of the tree of the garden. Sorry, of every tree of the garden. 
And now verse 17 is the contrast. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall what? So there's a positive. Now there's a negative. You shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, and that is, here's the consequence now. So there's a law, there's a precept there, um, there, there's fruit of, well, there's, um, there's a call for Adam to obey, and there are consequences for disobedience. And the consequences of disobedience are you shall surely die. You will die. By which, so, so God gave to Adam a law of universal obedience, so um, written in his heart, so uh, this would then fulfill what is in, um, I think it's in chapter, chapter 6 of the confession where it says although God created man upright and perfect and gave him a righteous law which had been unto life had he kept it and threatened death upon the, 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 the breach thereof yet he, he did not long abide to this honor etc 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 so because and it follows that because Adam is our federal head, the the precepts and also the um, the the law that is written on the ad on the on the heart of Adam is 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 bound bound him and all his posterity, which is us, all his uh, offspring. Um, to personal, entire, exact, and perpetual obedience. Okay? Promised life upon the fulfilling and threatened death upon the breaching of it, which, which, which I've already mentioned, and endued him with power and ability to keep it. So, I like what the confession says there. That, you know, all his posterity, all who are born under Adam, have an obligation to obey. <laughs> they, they are bound by the law of God. The God has set, God has a moral standard which he has set in his word and all of his uh, creation... Uh, mankind who, who are born under Adam are obligated to obey. They are bound by it. That's why, uh, you know, God also set up governance. Governments, you know, they are to punish the evildoer and uh, reward the, those who are sort of, you know, good citizens, etc. God is a God of order. He sets the record straight. Now, 
I won't get into this, but then there is what we call uh, the moral law and the, uh, and the positive law. The, the positive law or laws are plus laws which, which God gave to uh, the Israelites. For example, things like dietary uh, restrictions and and the ceremonial laws. Now, a lot of people do not uh, make a distinction between the moral law and uh, the, the positive law. They take it as one. Uh, that's why you've got people like the SDAs who would say, you know, it, the God's moral law and the and the positive law are one thing. The Bible does not distinguish it. Therefore, then they'll. That's why they would say, you mustn't eat um, <coughs> pork. Uh, you mustn't eat all these things. You must do this. You mustn't do that. Um, simply because they they believe that the positive laws are still applicable today. Let's carry on to the second point. The same law that was first written in the heart of man continued to be a perfect rule of righteousness after the fall of man and was delivered by God upon Mount Sinai in the Ten Commandments and is and written in two tables. The four first containing our duty towards God. Those are the first four commandments. And then the other six, our duty to man. So, it's interesting as I, as I was like thinking about this. That, that God has got a moral standard. God is righteous. He, his righteousness is in the word of God is seen in how even after giving Adam a precept and, 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 and a way to live, uh, and, and although Adam uh, and Eve saw a different way, a better way to live, and, and evaded the, the law of God and fell into transgression, God still even in his dealings with the nation of Israel, the children of Israel, still gave them a law. And basically the law was, this is how I want you to live. This is how I want you to obey, to worship me, for who I am, I am the great I am, Yahweh. This is how I want you to worship me, and this is how I want you to live. Interestingly, there's some <laughs> there's some Christians who think that all oh, the Ten Commandments. There are some Christians who think that Reformed Baptists teach that the law of God saves you. That is false. 
I don't think I've I, I haven't heard yet of all these faithful uh, Reformed Baptists who preach and teach. I haven't heard them saying that the law saves you. The law does not save you. The law, the moral law, God's moral law, as we will see later on, uh, acts as guardrails for the Christian. How will you know you're saved by grace? Through faith in Christ alone? And so, what next? How will you know what God demands of you? Even as we see, I think it's Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 to 19, when the Lord Jesus Christ was, I think it was the Sermon on the Mount, he says, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He knew. He's the one who lived in perfect obedience. He is the one who obeyed the law fully. He is our righteousness. He is our hope. <clears throat> Point three. Besides this law, so now there's a... So I, I like what the confession does. The first two points are a preamble. There's an introduction. In the third point, there's a distinction. The, the confession expands what is happening or what the scriptures teach. So, besides this law, commonly called moral, okay, God was pleased to give to the people of Israel ceremonial laws containing several typical ordinances. Partly of worship. And, and, and when you see all these laws, they were, they were prefiguring Christ. His graces, his actions, his sufferings and benefits. And, and partly holding forth diverse instructions of moral duties. To, uh, to really show forth the holiness of God. When you think about Leviticus... You know, the, when somebody is unclean, um, the, the, the ceremonial washings of the Levitical priest and how they, they had to live, if they held the carcass, they had to live outside the camp for seven days. And then they'll come back after they've, uh, you know, they've been cleansed. And this was to depict the holiness of God, that God demands us to be separate, to be, to be pure. There, there has to be a distinction between the children of God and those who are not the children of God. There has to be a distinction between those who have been saved by grace and those who haven't. It's not the same. So, you, you see that picture in the Old Testament. You read Leviticus. You see <coughs> in all those um, uh, sacrifices and, 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 and all those uh, offerings, you see that God demanded his children to live a certain way. So, all which ceremonial laws being appointed only to the time of reformation are by Jesus Christ, the true Messiah, 
and only lawgiver who was furnished with the power from the Father for that end abrogated and taken away. So, <laughs> so what does this mean? That the ceremonial rites um, and, and all these uh, laws that were uh, the, the, the positive laws which were given to the Israelites were taken away as it were by Christ you no longer have to offer sacrifices even as we're told in Hebrews that uh, Christ is our high priest he is the one uh, who has taken away our sins and he is the one who is interceding for us. He is, he is the ultimate sacrifice. There is no longer need for the blood of bulls and, and rams and goats. There's no longer need for you to uh, sort of observe dietary restrictions in order to be right with God. I'm not saying dietary restrictions are not a, a, a bad in and of themselves. You can choose that ah, I don't want to eat this, you know, Christian liberty, or for health reasons, etc., etc. But now, to sort of suggest that the dietary um, uh, restrictions are a way to uh, be right with God and uh, <laughs> is an affront to Christ. It's an insult to the work. On the cross. It's an, insight, it's an insult to our high priest who lived a perfect and righteous life. So, when you read the confession, uh, if you've got any questions or maybe queries that you probably like, oh, so what is being said here? There are footmarks there which show you some text that you go to um, for referral purposes. Point four, to them who, the Israelites, also he gave sundry judicial laws which expired together with the state of that people, not obliging any now by virtue of that institution their general equity only being of moral use. Point five. The moral law doth forever bind all as well justified persons as others to the, to, to the obedience thereof. So in other words, what is being said is that the moral law, which is general revelation, because we are, although we are born sinners, we have the law of God written on our hearts because of Adam. Now, that does not mean that we, we are born saved. No, no, no. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm saying as a result of Adam, who is our federal head, 
who was born upright but fallible um, because the law was written on his heart we also are born with the sense of you know we we are able to distinguish in a sense the difference between right and wrong we are able to say oh, oh okay so this is not right and this is right. of course someone has to teach us you know that someone has to teach us babies i mean if if your child grows in the jungle with animals they will they will invariably become an animal but I'm talking about just, you know, growing up in an environment where, you know, there are rules and laws. Don't do this. Don't touch this. You're invariably, you are almost uh, sort of, um, yeah, realizing what was done with Adam. And not that only in regard of the matter contained in it but also in respect of the authority of God, the creator who gave it. So God gave us a moral law and he expects us to, to obey it. He expects us to uphold the law, not, uh, not in a way as in to make ourselves right with him, but because he created, he gave it. It's the way he wanted his creation to be governed. Neither doth Christ in the gospel any way dissolve, but much strengthen this obligation. So Christ does not downplay the moral law. Christ does not dissolve the moral law. If you say so, I will ask you where. When in Matthew chapter 5, he came to fulfill. He did not come to abolish the law and the prophets. Point six. So this is an overview. We're just going through the confession and hopefully we'll be able to discuss for the next 15 minutes after this. Although true believers be not under the law as a covenant of works to be thereby justified or condemned. So in other words, believers are not saved by the law. They are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. But what does Paul say in Ephesians 2, verse 10? He says, for we are his workmanship in Christ Jesus, created for good works. <laughs> in other words, after he had said, for, you, for, for, you, for, for by grace you'll be saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's not a result of, of works so that you may not boast. But it's a work of God. And then he goes on, for you are created. So in other words, we are not saved by the law. 
but we are saved by grace through faith to be obedient to the law, not only to be obedient to the moral law, but to love it joyfully. It's not a burden. Christians, uh, let me give you an example. It might be a silly one. Who knows? Back when one is a non-believer and they are given a, a precept. Let me open to the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. I just want to give you one commandment and then sort of try to do a parallel. Okay. Let's, let's start from verse 12. Uh, and I'll give examples up to verse uh, up to verse 16 or even 17. This is in relation to your neighbor. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So Paul quotes this in, in Ephesians chapter 6 and even says that this is the commandment <clears throat> this is the only yeah, commandment with a promise. Verse 13, you shall not murder. Verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Okay, so let's, let's take these commandments and apply them to the Christian. The Christian is saved by grace through faith. They've got the Holy Spirit. But... What the Lord does is, 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 is almost like guardrails. What, what to tread on. We, we know that, you know, you, you shall not murder. The, the, the non-believer knows, okay, ah, you know, you shouldn't murder because you get arrested. You shouldn't murder because, you know, ah, uh, maybe, um, yeah, it's just bad, you know. But the the Christian who has been saved by grace, it, it's all the more uh, ever enlightening and illuminating that yes, this this person is created in the image of God, and and this person is is a soul, you know. Uh, you know, um, and, and, and we're meant to be good stewards. We're meant to love our neighbors. And Christ's love compels us. Christ himself says, you know, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind and your soul. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. By that you would have fulfilled the whole law and the prophets. You shall not commit adultery. There you have it again. Christ did not abolish this. He fulfilled it. In Matthew chapter 5. So we're going to quickly turn to that. Verse 27, 
You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. <laughs> He's quoting the commandments, Ten Commandments. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Wow. If anything, it seems as if Christ is, is, is going the extra mile. You are saying, ah, it's alright, you know. Adultery, maybe it's a physical act. You know? Christ is saying, listen, that is, that is not the point. I did not come to abolish it. I came to fulfill it. This is what I'm teaching. And my teaching aligns with the law of God. <laughs> Christ does not contradict the law that was given to Moses on Sinai. Let's continue as we wrap up uh, the, the the chapter. Although true believers be not under the law as a covenant of works to be thereby justified or condemned, yet it is of great use to them as well as to others, in that as a rule of life, informing them of the will of God and their duty, it directs and binds them to walk accordingly. Discovering also the sinful pollutions of their natures, hearts, and lives. So as examining themselves, thereby they may come to further conviction of humiliation for and hatred against sin. Together with a clearer sight of the need they have of Christ and the perfection of his obedience. It is likewise of, of use to the regenerate to restrain their corruptions, in that it forbids sin, and the threatenings of it serve to shew what even their, sin, what even their sins deserve, and what afflictions in this life they may expect for them. Although freed from the curse and, uh, and unallied rigor thereof. So we see this, just the relationship of, of the gospel and the law, God's moral law. I, I, before I, I I close, I just wanted to. I, I wanted I wanted you, brethren, to see how remarkable. You know how 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 holy God is, and how remarkable He is, and how wise and majestic He is, such that even when He was giving, the the, the law. Um, the law to the Israelites which was then expand, expanded, uh, starting from Exodus chapter, you know, Exodus chapter 21 going forth. You see the wisdom in how God wants people to live in a society. Listen to this, Exodus chapter 22, 
Exodus chapter 22, verse 16. This is, you know, it's about laws about social justice. <laughs> if a man seduces a virgin who is not engaged to be married and lies with her, he shall give the bride price for her and make her his wife. There you go. You have taken what does not belong to you. You now pay the price. You now pay restitution. You make restitution. If her father utterly refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money equal to the bride price for virgins. You know? Verse 18. You shall not permit a sorceress to live. So in the, is, the, is, the, the children of Israel, that community, sorcery, was not to be entertained. And so sorcer sorcerers were to be stones. Verse 19. Whoever lies with an animal shall be put to death. Bestiality nowadays is front page news. Well, in biblical times, uh, it was, um, in the Old Testament times, it was worth death. Whoever sacrifices to any god other than the Lord alone shall be devoted to destruction. I think it's a mirror of Exodus chapter 20, verse 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. The, the Bible speaks against idolatry. All across. So let me finish. <coughs> Excuse me. The promises of it likewise show, the, show them God's approbation of obedience and what blessings they may expect. So there is blessing, there, there is blessedness in obedience to God. God demands obedience of his children. You do not get saved and you live like a resident of hell. God demands obedience. If you, if you think I'm lying, go to First John, go to the epistles in the New Testament. If you think that, oh, okay, uh, you're, you're quoting too much of the Old Testament, go to the New Testament. The Lord Jesus Christ spoke of obedience. What blessings they may expect upon the, the, the performance thereof Though not as due to them by the law as a covenant of works, so as man's doing good and refraining from evil. Because the law encourageth to the one and deterreth from the other, is no evidence of his being under the law and not under grace. <clears throat> Point seven. Neither are the aforementioned uses of the law contrary to the grace of the gospel. Okay? But do sweetly com comply with it. The spirit of Christ subduing and enabling the will of man to do that freely and cheerfully which the will of God revealed in the law required to be done. And then there are texts which are shared there 
Galatians 3.21, Ezekiel 36.27. And uh, for today, our time is up. I think I've overshot by about five minutes. It's supposed to be just a 30-minute th uh, thing. And then we open it up for discussion, questions, uh, uh, and the like.